This is the Alarm Entourage. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Alarm Entourage podcast. It's the sound of clattering plates because we're in a diner, a proper American diner, in a town I'm told is called, well, not even a town, but somewhere called Dixon in Tennessee. And uh, we're all hungry. How are you, Jules? I'm all right, but I'm ravenous. Yeah. So we here on the Alarm Tour like to go local. And so every day, Adam, our lovely tech guy, is responsible for finding a local diner. And we get really excited about it. And I'm so glad that the start of the tour, we have really set it, set the band high. And we're here in Cindy's Diner in Dixon, Tennessee. It's the real thing, isn't it? You know, you can get you get salmon patties, you can get meat patties. I can hear them being fried in the background. Homegrown tomatoes. Yeah, it's, this is, you know, about as American as you get. Yeah, and you don't get to see this if you stay on the highways. You, you, to me, this is the real uh, America, which is why we make a point in, um, in, in really trying to discover these local places because it's important to us to go local yeah we don't want to keep yeah, going yeah. to the, uh, the big chain yeah this isn't a chain a franchise this is a little independent place isn't it and we sit here it's an important time we break bread with each other we all sit round we're not working we're chatting or making plans for what the next going to do well I, I want to talk to Mike about how last night went and I want to talk about the plans for what we're doing tonight as well because it's a big one tonight isn't it Jules it is um, in the bands we have lots of people who are very good at just doing things off the cuff um, and I think possibly it's a male female thing we can, <laughs> we can analyse that I like to plan ahead I've noticed <laughs> and Mike is brilliant at being able to just do things off the cuff which I love him for but um, sometimes I think it does require a degree of planning so I'm hoping that I can do that with Michael Peters right now in Cindy's Diner in Dixon, Tennessee Rachel, the uh, waitress, is just bringing the biggest gulp of cups. That's a major big gulp. The boys are having Coca-Cola. Let me find out what, what, what Mike's having. Mike, what are, you, what are you going to eat, have you decided? I'm having a, the ultimate grilled cheese with a few jalapenos to just spice it up a little bit, just to uh, give it a little kick. Um, talking about kick, we, the tour kicked off last night. How do you think it went? Yeah, it was a great first start. Um, really enthusiastic audience they genuinely were i made a joke on stage that when i'm introducing you lot on stage in britain um i'll get you some some person at the back might say do you mind not talking we're trying to have a cup of tea here <laughs> but you say something on stage over here and everyone whoops and hollers yeah, it's do, yeah. the real thing they really uh, they get immersed in the show it, um it's not a, a, such a physical reaction like it is in britain where everyone pushes up against the barriers and jumps up and down. It, here people really get involved emotionally, I think, in the gig, in, in terms of, and intellectually, and they, they respond to things and, and they respond to everything you give out and they jump up. Uh, they, they generally pick up on things when you talk in between songs. They are listening. Yeah, you know, yeah. Not, They're not, with you, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whereas the, the audience in Britain tends to sort of group together as, as one. I think here people tend to be they, they just engage in a slightly different level, more of an individualistic level. Because I think I think America is so vast, uh, uh, they, they, they don't have that that same sense of 
tribe like we have in Britain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it comes across in the gigs. When you, you play in Liverpool or Glasgow, there's, there's a sense of the, the people coming together to celebrate the band. Whereas here in America, people have come as, more as individuals to, to get into the band. They've not come from Nashville as such. You know, mm-hmm. People here have travelled in, they've come from Biloxi or different places in, in, the, uh, in the area. Dixon and all these kind of where we are now, and and they travelled in and they, but they're not necessarily Nashville residents because a lot of people America's much more of a transient people and, mm-hmm. they, and, and when you think about uh, Derek Frank from from Hona Harmonicas he's he's originally from Philadelphia and moved down to work in Nashville and and that you've got a lot of that going on and you don't really have that same sense. Because Nashville is a music city where people, like when we took the alarm to London in 1981, when we all went down together with you, this this is this is where people come to to try and make it in America. And you've yeah. got a lot of that. So you well, that America same. is a, a nation of migrants. Yeah, uh, you right, know, yeah. they all came from somewhere else, and that tradition continues here. They're economic migrants here, yeah, aren't they? That, very much so. And, and I think that comes through in the shows. People uh, more identified with the band. You know, that, that that's their reason to be here. Uh, whereas, obviously, when you know, like just when we play in Scotland, the Scottish come out yeah, to yeah, see yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a different. It's not the Tennesseans yeah. coming out to see them yeah, yeah, necessarily yeah. in Nashville. And I think that, that again is reflected. And, and as you move from stage right to stage left, you, you see different groups of people in the audience who respond in their own way. Some, some uh, have almost got their own eyes closed and they're taking in that moment. And the, and then others are, are, are partying and having a great time, and they're exuberant and they're, you know, sending out their message to you up on the stage. There was one guy who got my attention last night who was uh, in front of stage left, a big fella carrying a bit of weight, and he had his hands up in the air, clapping above his head for pretty much the entire set. You know, he was he was committed. Oh yeah, and that was brilliant. And I can I can think it's 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 still. Slightly rare for the alarm to play in Nashville. It's not a hotbed of where we we come to all the time, but but we've been here a couple of times the last few years, and so we're building up that that camaraderie here yeah. in, in Nashville. And uh, and it's this this is a place where British bands don't play. You know, to play in Nashville is a tough city to play in. The guy last night came up to me and said, "I've waited 35 years to hear." these guys play that song <laughs> and that's, that's, that's exactly right yeah, isn't absolutely, it absolutely yeah we're, we're very lucky and fortunate we can come here and we have got an audience to play to yeah. who wants to come and see and hear our songs and our yeah. music and it's 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 an it's a immense privilege to be able to do that because a lot of you know whenever i come to nashville i'm always often reminded of Stuart adamson who came out here from big country and was trying to make it as a writer in Nashville, Tennessee, and it's very unforgiving out here. Um, to to cut, <coughs> cut it is very tough. It's a real tough music town, music environment. There's a lot of competition here. You know, there were loads and loads of gigs on last night, weren't there? Oh, yeah, massive. You know, and there's the NAM convention, and, and everybody's got something going on, and as we all have. But it's yeah, it's it's um, to try and make it as a country writer. It's it's very tough out here. Um, your fries and French toast Ooh. have arrived. Eat thank it you. while it's still hot. Well, thank you very and much. I will talk to you about what we're doing tonight a little bit later. Yes, let's do it. I'm going to have a word with your son Dylan at the moment. Dylan, bye, Hello. Yeah, good. Thank you. How are you? Uh, good. Yeah, that's great. I asking in, in, in Welsh. You answer in English, so people listening to this will understand what we're talking about. <laughs> Super. Um, you 
you're not along for the ride as a passenger. What are you doing on this? You're working, aren't you? Yeah, I'm working. I'll be um, setting up the gig, the jump kit, and um, doing a bit of the merch. Yeah, I saw you hiking in loads and loads of boxes of T-shirts last night. Do you know, do we sell a lot, do you know? Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of sell. Um, but last night I was a bit tired, so I wasn't there to sell most of it, but I sold a bit, so... I, I noticed that you absolutely flaked about halfway through the set. You went into the dressing room and you were sound asleep for a while, you and your brother. Yeah. But you were there at the end, you came back. Good yeah. lad. What are you eating? What have you ordered? Uh, chicken strips. Good choice of breakfast, sir. Yeah. Good choice. Right, I'm going to go and talk to the crew. I'll speak to you all in a minute. Y'all. Listen to me speak to y'all in a minute. I've been over here two days and I'm saying y'all. Right, um, I want you to meet Adam, who is... Uh, Adam is me on this tour. Adam is the guitar tech on this tour. Um, but more than that, Adam, you are our culinary advisor on this tour, aren't you? Oh, what's this? That's mine. That's my dinner. My breakfast. My... I've got salmon patties, pickled beetroot, whole kernel corn, fries and uh, rolls. They're cornbread, aren't they? Yeah. That's just rolls. Yeah, rolls. I'm learning it was a complicated menu. You think it's the same language, but it actually isn't. We are separated by a common language. <laughs> Adam, did you choose this place? You, have you been here before? Never been here before. What do you look for in a diner? Because I'm told that you're the diner expert on this tour. I, I look at reviews and pictures and go from there. It's worked so far. We had a tremendous breakfast yesterday, and I'm looking forward to my pickled beets and salmon patties. Excellent. You wait, you wait till he blows one. Yeah. We all complain about right. this. That's Jeff, by the way. Jeff, he's doing the merchandise, an awful lot of the driving. What have you ordered, Jeff? Uh, what did you get? I got the salmon patties. You're having salmon patties, aren't you? Yeah. But you're not having the pickled beets, are you? Um, Andy? Andy? Our tour manager, Andy Labro. What have you ordered, Andy? Uh, the meatloaf, fine one. Is he, he's going to come and sing for you, is he? <laughs> <He's gonna> <laughs> <laughs> well, I might, I might sing myself if I get a nice meal after yesterday. You know what we were talking about, about the language thing? When I first came here, and you could before the internet, and you could go to pawn shops and find like old guitars and stuff. So I said to the bus driver who was driving us, it was with Gene off Tesla at the time, I said, if there's any good like, pawn shops in you that you know, you know, da-da. And he went to the tour and what's up with that guy and wanting to go to porno shops all the time? <laughs> and he said, no, no, palm. Oh, palm. You have to say palm. Palm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Porn. No, 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 porn. That, that's a completely different thing. Yeah, lost in translation. Right. Salmon patties, green beans, mashed potatoes. That's Rachel, our lovely waitress. I'm, I'm going to eat, and we'll talk more when we're when we're full of food. Good food it is too. back on the bus, the windows are open, the southern breeze is blowing through the lounge of the bus where we are. Probably hear Mike playing a little acoustic guitar because Mike and Jules and James and Smiley are working out what they're going to do tonight at the uh, Sun Studio event that we're going to post live on Facebook which hopefully you will have seen by the time you're listening to this. 
she also sat on the floor writing down the guitar chord. She's going to play, I think, a piano. We don't really know exactly how it's going to play out. Earlier on, Jules and uh, Mike were discussing how much should be uh, left to creativity on the day and how much should be planned. So they're meeting somewhere in the middle. They're planning some stuff and also going to let other stuff just happen. There's a truck going past. You can probably hear it right now. We are inches away. This is genuinely tense, if I'm honest, as this truck eases past us. It's moved a little bit further away from the window now. If I reached out the window, I could touch this truck alongside me. Rock and roll, eh? I don't really want to interrupt the rehearsal, but I want to catch the moment, so I'm going to sit down next to the mic. In the um, third verse, it's just got the F sharp minor in it instead of the D, just to move it along. We're working out the acoustic chords for Psalm, which is one of the songs. Okay, I might not be the best bet of this, but I'll try. Yes, I pray, 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 pray for love tonight. Yes, I pray, pray, pray. Don't give up the fight. And pray, pray, pray. Yeah, and we're, we're doing this a key, a tone higher than it will be. <coughs> what? Okay. Uh, I'll just do it in this key. James is always like one day behind us. <laughs> He's a Wednesday kind of guy. He's laid back. <laughs> You know I like to plan ahead. Yes, I've noticed. So it goes. <laughs> so the verse is some verse. Thunder and rain And for where my footsteps Have all washed away Chorus Yes, I pray, pray, pray Pray for love tonight Yes, I pray, pray, pray Don't give up the fight <coughs> I'd rather die than surrender. Then that's the next verse, that's in the chorus. Why did we do that? Practice. That's right. Yeah. Mike, have you got a complete set list for tonight? Not really, because I think uh, we have to be um, mindful of where we're going and, and what is going to be there when we get there, because we don't really necessarily know. Uh, the studio it's not the natural habitat these days for a band like ourselves so uh, I think we 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 want to go in there and, and not uh, 
use the alarm's equipment as such, but make something uh, that reflects the alarm, but using the room where the origins of rock and roll were, were born. It was pretty much invented in the room Absolutely. we're going to, wasn't it? It was, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to go in there and uh, use the drum kit that's there, use some of the amplification. We're working with the house engineer called Plez. Um, um, we take a little bit of direction from him. But, you know, we, we haven't got all day to go in there and set up a drum kit sound like we would for a normal alarm recording session. And I'm almost intrigued to see if we can almost work in the way Elvis worked. Uh, whereas if you wanted to turn down the guitar a little bit, then you move the amp further back from the microphone. And almost a, a session where we can all be gathered around the same mic um, and balance our harmonies together a bit like Elvis and the Jordanaires would have done. Uh, and, and if someone's too loud, they stand back and, uh, and rather than turn the faders down. So uh, uh, as much as I know that the studio is... Uh, has moved with the times in sense that you can record into the modern it uh, medium of Pro Tools and, 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 and we'd probably take the sound home with us on a hard drive which you couldn't do in 1954 or 55 so uh, that, that's where it has changed but, but uh, it's still the same room, it's still the same ambience and, and I'm sure that uh, we will be inspired to do something when we're there um, and that's I've always responded to situations a little bit like that is to let the, let the moment dictate a little bit and allow that to happen if you think it through too much then and going with too rigid a plan then then happenstance can't happen and, mm-hmm. and, you, and you want that you know if Elvis went in to record rock and roll and had a preconceived idea he wouldn't have repented it so uh, I think we have to go in with a little bit of that spirit and uh, play some more music that is rooted in that that history we've often talked that the alarm is built on that line that started with Elvis and went down through Woody Guthrie be- before him and and the old Folkways records that we used to buy from that record shop in St Martin's in the Fields in London and and we discovered the the history of rock and roll and, and aspired to that and and, uh, and and carried some of the ideals through. Without this studio that we're going to today you wouldn't have the alarm because that was the spark that generated hundreds, thousands of bands ultimately. Everyone wanted to pick up a guitar and be in a rock and roll band and you're no different. Absolutely, of course we are. I remember when we went to make the first alarm record and, and we wanted to try and get the idea of sound across that engineer, the record we told him we, we played was Hound Dog. Yeah, I remember. We, we wanted the, the snare drum sound that was on Hound Dog's, one of the best snare drum sounds in the history of recorded music. And, and I remember the engineer saying, well, the reason that sounds so great is there's hardly anybody playing on the track. And, and, it's, and that's where you learn that, that idea of space and, and uh, in music. And, and I think that was what made the first Elvis Presley record so powerful, that they unwittingly stumbled on the space that great music has. And it's, needs. And simplicity, the yeah. simplicity. And the alarms have been founded on simplicity, and the simple principle is it has to be, any alarm sound has to be busked, be able to be busked on the street. You know, that was our yeah. guiding print. That's what, when Bono spoke on the BBC documentary on the Gathering uh, live broadcast that section a couple of years ago, he, his quote was, when he first saw the alarm, they... They look like buskers, only cool. And, uh, <laughs> that was his description, and 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 that, that's 
how we, we approached America really that, and, and that's how we got the band started was that we didn't make demo tapes if someone wanted to hear what the band said we turned up with our acoustic guitars in the music business executive's office I remember that. with you and, yeah, uh, right. in tow and we played them a song and said this is, this is who we are and, and, and uh, all those early days in the alarm and we, we do on the, the the, the workers' rights uh, march, yeah, yeah in yeah. London on the back of the truck. We as were well, playing yeah. acoustic, and yeah. yeah, when we played at Ulu with it, when we did our Central London Polytechnic, I think it was with the jam, and yeah. we just jumped up with acoustic guitars, and and we we, we were ultimate sort of protest band in yeah. a way, guerrilla. Yeah, it really was, and that that's still at the core, and that's the, that's the essential heart of all the songs that have been released in the name of the alarm are all busking songs at the at their strip, most stripped down essential element and that, that's what I think we've got to uh, tap into today and not try and recreate the sound of the modern sound of Sigma but just recreate something that reflects the principles and the, and the birth marks of the alarm people are listening to this after the broadcast right so they will have seen how it all played out here we are uh, what time is it on my watch now what time is it anybody about 2 o'clock in the afternoon yeah, I don't even know what day. You know, at 7.30 tonight, we go live to the world. What do you know for certain in terms of the songs that you're going to do at the moment? What are you definitely going to do? Are you going to do Psalm? Yeah, we'll do Psalm, Blood Red, Viral Black, I think. And we'll also try and uh, maybe play um, the version of Strength that we, we play, that we've played on radio stations when we go in to do... Um, when we're on tour and we, and we go into the, in the afternoon for the show, sometimes we'll play strength uh, stripped to its bones, like like we like it was recorded for the the strength to 2015 30th anniversary edition of of those songs, um, and it, it owes its uh, homage a little bit to uh, the way Neil Young plays. Um, Heart of Gold, you know, it's a beautiful record, and we play it in that slightly laid-back way. And and when you do that, it allows the lyric to come forward. Yeah. And uh, and and it, 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 when you talk to alarm fans around the world, it's the lyrics that they tell me as what's got them through life. The lyric to yeah. Knife Edge, the lyric to Strength, the lyrics to Spirit '76 or '68 Guns or '45 RPM. That's what they've made the connections to the lyrics of Two Rivers or Drunk and Disorderly and what people uh, take home with them more than anything else Are you going to do some covers have you decided? Yeah we're, we're, I think we're, we were, we've been taking suggestions online for some songs and there's been suggestions of uh, Change is Going to Come by Sam Cooke and, uh, uh, which is interesting and uh, other songs out there um, some um, uh, Marvin Gaye even uh, but I think we're going to keep uh, to the original idea of maybe doing a U2 song because they uh, they're our friends and they played there on the Rattle and Hum tour and uh, so we, 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 we think we might have a go at, at 40 off the War album because uh, oh. that's what the, the album that U2 have created that brought us to America for the first time and, and it was a little bit to reclaim it because uh, they the Edge played at our Epiphone Rivoli bass on 40 when they played it at Red Rocks. I handed it to him. Yeah, right, there you go. Well done, kind of. Yeah, and because uh, we were all going to go on and do Hard Rain's Gonna Fall after that, but uh, Paul McGuinness stopped us in our tracks. Yeah, yeah. This is history being made tonight, guys. So we'll make our own little bit of history and we'll play 40, I think, and it's a beautiful song. And it ties in with Psalm, in a way, because 40 was 
built out of um, Psalm 40 from the Bible yeah. and, and so I think there's a little bit of a synergy between those two songs and we, we might have a go at Bound for Glory Woody Guthrie just to amplify the roots of the band and that line that goes back to the beginnings because Woody Guthrie's predates Elvis Presley and, and you know Woody Guthrie might have invented rock and roll if he'd got to Sun Studios before Elvis but he didn't <laughs> There, I think, was someone called Rufus Johnson, a song called Bearcat, which uh, you might recognise as Hound Dog. We arrived at Sun Studios and we're getting the complete tour, which includes the history of rock and roll as well as the history of Sun Studios. Now, I may have said on the programme before that Elvis invented rock and roll. That's not strictly true, of course. I think Elvis popularised rock and roll. There were many pioneers before him who paved the way for Elvis to wiggle his hips and sing those songs with that incredible voice. It was a hot summer, 1953, hotter than it is now. Memphis is hot, by the way, I don't know if you can hear that, but um, I'm in a room at Sun Studio, uh, about the size of, I don't know, down floor of a, of a, a bungalow, a British bungalow, uh, in here with about 25 people, including uh, the alarm and crew, and we're getting the tour, and uh, I have to say, Mike is showing his knowledge of the history of rock and roll, because uh, whenever the tour guide asks a question Mike's got the answer he's got a good memory that man I think it rather comes from years and years and years of having to remember lyrics and chords so his brain is supple and exercised let's see if I can sneak in and just hear a little bit of what he's saying I'll give it up for the future king of rock and roll Mr. Elvis Presley like the man said y'all give it up for the future king of rock and roll Elvis Presley. Okay, the time at the moment, uh, I wish I knew, I don't have my phone on me, it's probably about five o'clock, quarter past five, we are live on Facebook at 7.30, and hopefully, if that all goes well, you will have seen that live. But right now, I'm going to pay attention to the history of this remarkable place that I find myself in on tour with the alarm. Amazing. James, you're the nearest thing I know to an absolute authority on all guitars. I'm flattered. Have you seen this thing here? This, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a guitar in a case. You know where it is? What, in the case there, or this one here? This one here, behind the glass case. Oh, yeah, that looks like a Martin D28. Oh, this one here, the yeah. gold one. That's a Gibson ES295 from the 1950s. You know that without having to look it up or anything, don't you? It's just, and it's just, do you know if this is a particularly important one, this particular well, one? Scotty Moore played that model of Gibson. Right. So I don't think that's the actual one, yeah. but he played an ES295. He's famous for that, the all gold, too. No, very cool looking guitar, you've got to admit. Scotty Moore is Elvis's guitarist, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just need to check the facts. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Course, yeah. And have you, do you own one of those? I do not. I'd like to own one. I did have one. I actually sold it to John Giddings. Believe it or not. Really? John Giddings? <laughs> so he owns one. John Giddings, of course, is the um, 
guy who does the Isle of Wight Festival in yeah. the UK. Yeah. yeah, rock and roll heritage. Yes. You been here before? I have about 30 years ago, but it's very different. It's when because between 68 and 87, it was a car parts shop. And then they reacquired it and built it and re- you know got lots of the stuff back and made it into the museum that it is today. So I came in it here about 30 years ago, and I think Mike did. When I was originally touring with Gene Los Jezwell, and you know, yeah, some studios just reopened. We all, you know, we used to come down here when we were on tour and have a look. So, yeah. There's so, one more guitar in this case over here. Is this the actual one, or is this a replica? It's the actual, you know? that's Elvis's actual case. And um, he had, you know, a, it's a Martin D28. And Elvis had one that had that leather jacket on it like that, which I've played guitars that have that, and it really does muffle the sound big time. But obviously, it looks, looks great, it looks super cool. <laughs> Who cares? And, and look at the case what? though, with like yeah. you know, with the cowhide interior and everything. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. It says Elvis Presley's cowhide guitar case, so it's yeah. not the guitar, it's just but it's the case. The case. Yeah. And they've got an identical guitar with a cover over it, exactly. like he used. Yeah. Um, it's gone very quiet. A lot of different guitars, Elvis. Through the years, yeah, yeah so. lots of different guitars. Lots of different guitars. Yeah. He's famous for. He had a, uh, a Gibson Dove, Black Dove. Um, he's famous for when on his '68 comeback special, he takes Scotty Moore had a Super 400, which is a massive, the biggest guitar Gibson made, uh, arch job. And you see him, he takes it off Scotty Moore and starts playing on the TV show. And I don't think he ever gave it back. Right, we better go and rejoin the tour. It's already going on with us downstairs. You've been listening to The Alarm Entourage with me, Gareth Jones. Catch you for the next episode. Y'all have a good day.